You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello again and welcome to the Hidden Yardage podcast right here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. I'm Mark Lane. You can follow me on Twitter at the real Mark Lane. I'm joined by Sean Martin. You can follow him on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL. And the Hidden Yardage Podcast is your go-to source for the Dallas Cowboys versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's the only thing we've been talking about all season because when they played the Buccaneers in week one, we had to talk about that for the next two weeks. And then we've been previewing uh Cowboys Buccaneers. For the last two weeks, going into the conclusion of the regular season. So we've been talking about Cowboys Bucks more than anyone on this network. Hey, I feel that good to be with you again, as always, Mark. And, you know, just like we're saving the best for episode 50, which I believe is next week, right? The Cowboys better be saving their best and at least a whole lot better than what they performed against the Commanders for this Tampa Bay team. So, you know, 26 to 6 loss to end the regular season is pretty ugly, but it still gets them into the playoff matchup that, like you said, so perfectly there. We've been expecting for a while now. So Cowboys Bucks wild card weekend it is. And here's hoping it's not a uh, Monday night game. Let me just say that right now. Okay. Real quick, real snap question. Would you have felt better if they had demolished Washington a la the way Dallas destroyed Philadelphia in week 18 last year? Well, I absolutely would have, you know, I don't think the final score would exactly be the thing that gets you the most excited in that case. You know, it would have been great to blow them out, but you know, I could think back to like as recently as the Indianapolis Colts game where you know, that score got lopsided, but it was just because of a couple, you know, fortunate turnovers and some bad bounces and it got out of hand real quick, but that was at the start of the fourth quarter and it was still close. So we talked about immediately after that game, how the final score didn't paint the, the picture and, you know, I don't think the final score of this game paints the exact doom and gloom picture that you know many Cowboys fans are going to be trying to talk up this week. The same way a lopsided win against the Commanders certainly doesn't guarantee you a single damn thing against Tom Brady and the Bucks next weekend. But of course, yeah, you would have liked to go out, do more, win this game. And if you were going to take your starters out, have it be because you're up big and feeling good about yourselves as opposed to taking them out because it's a lost cause to even beat this commander's team who had nothing to play for, you know, last week of the regular season. Yeah, and that's the thing is I don't think people are going to measure what happened to Dallas against what Dallas did in Week 18 last year um, because Mike McCarthy talked about that in the post game for the Eagles game in Week 18 last year about how He'd been on both sides of resting players, not resting players, and it's about the rhythm. And so that's what I mean. Do you think that they've got the rhythm going into the playoffs? I mean, we'll break this down a 
a little bit more, but that's the gist of what we're going to be getting into on this episode. Yeah, it's hard to say, you know, if they have rhythm or not. You know, they do seem to play their best when the level of competition is, you know, what they perceive to be up to where they are. But, yeah, you know, I'm not much for national talk shows or anything, but certainly they're going to be talking all week about how the Cowboys aren't, you know, one of the best contenders in the NFC. The 49ers went and took care of business again with Brock Purdy and put up 30 points again. You know, I know it's against the Cardinals team that's probably checked out, similar to many other teams we watched throughout. Sunday's week 18 action, but still, they're, they're showing up and putting up 30 points of Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy like it's easy, and, you know, the Cowboys didn't need to necessarily score 30, but only six, you know, and that was, of course, on a missed extra point, not two Brett Maher field goals. It, you know, they did get in the end zone, but it was before the half. It was with Washington playing soft coverage, and it was finally a chance to target CDLM, and, you know, all the advanced stats and the stories of this season have told you that when you take away CDLM, which for the most part happened in this game, you can have a lot of success shutting down this Cowboys offense, and that's exactly what happened. So, of course, that's what Tampa Bay is going to be looking to do. And so even if Lamb does make one or two plays, you know, his one big play in this game was a touchdown in the game you lost by 20, you know, how confident are you in Dan Quinn's defense to not give up 20, 28, 30? And that, if that's the case, you're going to need Lamb to make, you know, consistent plays throughout the entire night. And that's not something that I don't know if we can expect, you know, just based on how the offense came out in this week 18 finale. And that puts a lot of pressure back on guys like T.Y. Hilton and Michael Gallup and Noah Brown, who really came up short in this game as well. All right. So what do the Cowboys do well? So if you're the Buccaneers and you're facing Dallas, what scares you about the Cowboys as a playoff team. And I'm going to try to do my best to answer this without recency bias. You know, I mean, I know we're on a weekly show where we don't come back until likely after the Buccaneers game, which is why I hinted that I hope it's not on a Monday because I know, you know, our podcast has a self-life of about two hours. But, you know, recency bias, what do the Cowboys do well? And everybody probably wants me to raise the pitchfork and say, oh, they don't do anything well and don't praise them right now. Nobody's earned the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, Tampa Bay has veteran coaches, veteran players, none more so than Tom Brady, of course. So they'll say all the right things in the media this week about prepping for Dallas when it comes to how skilled they really can be and how dangerous they are when they play their best, all these things. So I think the best thing still keeping this game that just happened in context for what the Cowboys do well is just, you know, being able to be multiple on defense and kind of change their looks with what Dan Quinn's able to do. I thought this was a plus game. For the interior of the defensive line, I know more eyes have been on the edge rushers and why they can't produce the sacks and why the quarterback pressures haven't been there. So you don't necessarily look to your interior for that right away. But those guys I still thought played well. Guys like Oso Digizua and, Neville, um, and Chauncey Golston really stepped up against the run. Tampa Bay really has no run game to speak of. So, you know, if those guys can do even more in pass rush, that could help you finally unlock some of that edge rush that you're going to need from the Parsons's. Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. So, you know, defensively, I do think you can match up well, and Dan Quinn does can do so many different things that maybe throws Brady off just enough. You're never going to completely rattle him in a playoff game, of course, but you know, I think you can do just enough to keep him in a comfortable point range where it puts the pressure firmly back on Dak Prescott's shoulders to say, okay, here's a close game, last two minutes or so, go ahead and be you know our savior again and go bail bail this game out. He'll be having week one in his mind that that lost to Tampa Bay where even before he exited with the thumb injury, he was playing poorly. So he'll have that in his mind. He'll want to bounce back from that and 
you know, that seems to be the Cowboys' path to victory, not only throughout this entire regular season that's now concluded, but what we have to now talk about them as a playoff contender is keep the game close with Dan Quinn's defense and hope Prescott can play his best football when it matters. What I think the Cowboys do well that you'd have to be that you'd have to worry about if you face them as a playoff opponent is the takeaway train. Because once that gets going, it just seems like it never stops for Dallas. And like I said, I mean, that happened against the Eagles, too. It doesn't just happen against terrible teams. Uh, Dak Prescott, because even if he has, uh, you know, ignominious starts to games, he bounces back from his mistakes, and he's just never out of it mentally. Uh, And... That's those are basically my two things when it comes to. I mean, I wish I could say the run game, but at this point, I think the run game is really challenged, and not just because of what's happened against Washington, but just because of what we've seen since Terrence Steele went out. Yeah, I made a point on our post game Twitter spaces hosted by Justin Navarro's on the Blogging the Boys Twitter account. Make sure you. Checking those out, we even had former Yankees catcher Jose Trevino in there hanging out with us. So that was pretty cool, of course, as a stated Yankees fan. I was in there with uh, Brandon Ori, who's a Walking the Boys member that happens to be from New Jersey as well. So checking those out. And I made the point of, no, you can usually tell pretty early in the game just how confident Prescott is in his offensive line. He's had a play in front of so many different variations and starting lineups, not only this year, but, you know, dating back a while now. And you can tell pretty early on, you know, just how much he trusts the guys blocking for him in a given game. And it sort of seemed like, and this is a concerning thing because it's concerning in this game because, you know, a guy like Tyler Smith, Prescott fought all along, of course, when he was drafted. He was probably going to be a left guard, and that's what he was in this game. But, you know, maybe Tyler Biotis' role was just that important, and it is going to be Got a it. big deal to get him back for the wildcard game, which it's looking like they sort of could, and that would be nice to see. But... Yeah, for whatever reason, you know, this offensive line in front of Prescott in this game against Washington, you could just tell he was not confident in the pocket. He was not comfortable all game long and just did not have the confidence to step up and deliver the ball. And that's been compounded all season long by, of course, how perfect he has to be to get the ball to these receivers. You know, maybe that confidence would come back if guys were, of course, getting wide open and there were easy checkdowns to make. But you can remember two or three plays in this game were checkdowns to Elliott or Pollard went awry and went out of bounds or Elliot wasn't looking for a third down pass and then throws to anybody but CDLM continue to have to be perfect and really fit into a tight window and allow DBs to be draped all over guys like Gallup and Hilton. That's just such a hard way to play offense. So yeah, this offensive line is of concern, has been all season long and you know Tampa Bay is going to look at that and see matchups they can exploit if the Cowboys only answer being hoping they can get Tyler Biotis healthy and get everybody back to where Prescott's going to have that confidence back. The confidence of Dak is something that, you know, we'll have to see if it improves if Tyler Biotis comes back. Uh, and you, Because they were working with a whole new offensive line combination, albeit it's what won them the game against the Titans in the second half last week. But still, um, it just makes you want... And this was by a country mile, Prescott's lowest completion percentage of his entire career, by the way. Previous low was just just shy of 46% in a 10-7 loss to the Giants, which is, of course, 
in his rookie season of 2016. Today, 14 of 37. In the snow. It's always snowy and cold in MetLife. We've talked about how cold that stadium constantly is. Yeah, uh, either that or the swirling winds. But, but so, yeah. what do you think? All right, if you're a playoff team and you see the Cowboys coming in, I mean, this is probably going to get more answers than are on the ACT or the SAT. Um, but what? where do you see the Cowboys as being exploitable? Um, what don't they do well? Um, I, I think what they don't do well is the run game on defense. I think there's a vulnerability there. And there's a vulnerability in the deep passing game. If you challenge whoever is playing opposite of Diggs and just take your deep shots down there, you might get lucky and the guy gets burned or you draw defensive pass interference. I also think that what Dallas doesn't do well is their own run game. I mean, it used to be, uh, you know, it kind of worked, but now it isn't. It's just like the yards aren't there anymore. And I don't understand for a second in this game, you know, what Kevin Moore was thinking with the run game. The only thing you can even hint at, and this is, you know, preposterous as for me to say as it is for probably anybody to want to hear or justify, and I'm not justifying it, just kind of pointing out that the only explanation for, you know, the way he coached this game was that, he feels like he's earned kind of the benefit of the doubt to say, oh, we're not going to sow too much this week and, you know, take this thing into the playoffs. But that was a conversation we had for weeks on end last year, and we know how well that ended wildcard weekend against a really hot 49ers team. You know, the Bucks might not be coming into the playoffs quite as hot as that 49ers team was, but we know their personnel at this point. We know you're trying to topple Tom Brady for the first time, you know, in your franchise's history. So that's hot enough when it comes to the mountain that the Cowboys have to get over this very next weekend with no momentum to speak of on offense because of how Kellen called it. I mean, just again, the first down running efficiency, not there. And then there was even running plays on, you know, first and 20 and second and 10 in this game that just continue to make you scratch your head. So it was another game where you were asking Prescott to bail you out far too much and it didn't happen to any extent. And I mentioned on our post-game spaces as well that I think, you know, this is the type of game where we can all remember the Broncos game last year which felt like a bit of the beginning of the end for this offense, yet post-game, and I know you'll be all over the post-game coach for this team, and we'll have them for you at Blogging the Boys, of course. But after that Denver loss, everybody said, oh, you know, they haven't figured this out. We hoped another defense plays us like this again. We can put up 30 if a defense plays us like this again. This offense is going to have all the answers. And we, of course, again, we know how that ended. Well, now you have such a sort of window to, you know, go prove that. I do think Tampa Bay is going to be looking at chops to get in the film room, you know, tonight or tomorrow, of course, and take a look at this and say, what did, what did Washington do, you know? And that's not a good thing when you know the commanders, you know, yeah, they have some talent on the defensive side of the ball, but I don't think you should be giving Tampa Bay a chance to look at this game from the commander's perspective and say, oh, they actually showed us something. And I think the Cowboys – don't have that choice anymore. They certainly did play into the hand of the Bucks' defensive coaching staff and Todd Bowles, who I think is an amazing defensive mind, being able to fire up this tape and look at exactly what the commanders did just because of how poorly the Cowboys' offense is ready to handle. You know, their secondary, who 
contested every throw. The pass rush, who, of course, got after it and made Prescott uncomfortable from the jump. And Tampa Bay is going to look to replicate, you know, every facet of that with their own talented personnel as well. So that's a big hurdle for Kellen Moore to clear. And I don't think it's as easy as saying that, you know, he could just flip the switch and try to repeat what he couldn't do last year. So it's a hard ceiling that, you know, this offense now puts on, I think, the capabilities of this team right now. And they, they just don't have the time to benefit of any time or, you know, benefit of the doubt to uh, get over it. They just have to somehow try to play their best four quarters of offense when it matters here against Tampa Bay and hope that's enough to end up with more points than the GOAT on the other side. All right. So then that really sets up the most consequential question of January. What are we considering a successful season now? Now that Dallas didn't win the NFC East, now they are a wild card team. Um, what constitutes a successful season? So if they're, they lose in Tampa Bay, it was all garbage. If they win in Tampa Bay and lose in the divisional, is it trash? Do they have to get to the NFC Championship game? What are we considering successful? I wouldn't say they have to get to the NFC Championship game. You know, being a playoff team for back-to-back seasons is a big step. It is something we should celebrate, even if we feel like they're stumbling their way in. And certainly, you know, the most recent taste in our mouth is that they are stumbling their way in because you just lost by 20 to a division rival that you usually have your way with and who started a, you know, rookie quarterback making his first start in Sam Howell. So that puts a dampen on the fact that you did just win 12 games in back-to-back seasons, but that should be applauded because I do think the Cowboys feel like they have a young core that's going to be here for a while. So if they can continue to produce these wins, then they won't be going anywhere in the playoffs. And, you know, eventually you can break through and have that playoff success, but eventually it also comes at you very fast in this league. And I think the Cowboys understand that. And, you know, they should be understanding that just based on how this season just ended. 12 wins was good enough last year to, run away with the NFC East beyond any doubt. I mean, you could talk about this team being NFC East champions almost as early as you wanted to last year. It was just clear that they were far and away better than the Giants, the Eagles, and the Commanders, and they got it done running away with a 12-5 and record. Now, this year, you win 12 games again, and it really wasn't good enough. Yeah, you, you, know, you had a chance here to upset the Eagles, but I don't think anybody really expected the Giants, especially once we knew they were resting a lot of key starters to beat the Eagles. And I also don't think many objective Cowboys fans, you know, expect the Eagles to really go anywhere. So just in one year, yeah, we can celebrate back-to-back 12 win seasons, but now 12 wins isn't the standard that it was in 2021 to, you know, beat a far and away best team in this division. So if if the trend continues next year, maybe that's not even good enough for, for a playoff spot. And that's, you know, getting ahead of myself. But point being, you have to make the most of your playoff opportunities. You can't squander them. They certainly squandered one last year. And the only hope is that they learn from it. They're ready to bounce back. They're ready to look at this commander's game as the only way I think you can look at it, which is, hey, we've been here before. We had this type of loss going into the playoffs last year. It carried over and it felt horrible when we lost to the 49ers based on this type of loss. We need to do everything differently. We need to remember that feeling against the 49ers and not let it happen again against the Bucks. And then if you are in the divisional round, you know, to answer your question, then I do think it is a successful season. I do think that you've you know learned something from last year. You've, of course, showed progress. You've shown that the young core is taking a step and this coaching staff can stick around and you know continue to try to build through the draft, which they do so well. And we'll have some real positives to talk about. But yeah, if it's another one-and-done season, then 
you know, the outcomes are going to be everywhere from where does this team go and everything will be in play. Is it going to be a massive step back? Is it going to be another step forward? But just for another playoff disappointment, everything's on the table if you lose to the Bucks. whereas winning, you know, certainly opens up a path to selling this team has really matured and taken a step and that Prescott can get you to where you want to go. I think that you have to get to the NFC championship game because if you don't, then you'll have people continually citing that Dallas hasn't been since 1996, and that just continues to get brought up. So I think that that constitutes a successful season at this juncture. The only thing that I would have in there as a caveat would be if the loss in the divisional round were so controversial, um, that would be kind of like the pass for failing to meet that expectation. In other words, a Dez catch scenario all over again. That would be what I consider um, a pass if Dallas doesn't get to the conference championship game. So, you know, I um, that is what I consider, like I said, success at this point of the season, I think in terms of a regular season with what they did, uh, yeah, it just, sometimes that's just what happens when one of the other teams in your division actually has a good quarterback, which is what Jalen Hurts is. I mean, maybe Daniel Jones could have been this too if he'd actually had some development other than, uh, you know, Joe Judge and um, Pat Shermer for his career, you know what I mean? Um, So that's why in 2021 it was just like, oh, yeah, Dak Prescott's back, and Dallas is just going to win the division in October. Does your perspective on what's a successful season now in the playoffs change? And this is almost a dumb follow-up just based on us knowing that you know, the Cowboys feel like they can play with anybody and just kind of predicting what they're going to say in the media this week, which will contradict this. But does your idea for a successful season change just because it is Tom Brady in that first game? You know, if they had an easier wild card game, would it be easier to say, like you just did, that they have to win that and the divisional? But does it change anything that the fact that they'll even have to get to, to get the divisional, they have to be the quarterback they've never beaten and the GOAT on the road? Does that shift anything in terms of making a wild card win mean a little bit more to where if they do falter in the divisional round, you know, at least you got what's considered a more significant wild card win than if you beat like, you know, Detroit or, you know, Seattle who sneaks in or anything like that. No, it really doesn't because the wild card round, Sean. All right. Let me, let me explain this. Um, back in before there was a Super Bowl, uh, before the league merger, they had what was called the playoff bowl. So, for example, if you had, um, let me just simplify it. Take the losers of the conference championship games, and then what if they played each other the day before the Super Bowl? Okay? That's basically what the NFL did until the Super Bowl. That's what they would do with the um, losers trying to qualify for the NFL championship game. 
and that's what these wild card games are is they're really just playoff bowls from the 1960s that have been front loaded to the start of the postseason so that when you do get that win, you get that optimism. Here's another good example. In 2018, Owen Dallas beat Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, who they'd always struggled against beating and so forth, but they beat them in the wild card round. It was optimism that, well, maybe they can upset the L.A. Rams and not even looking at how difficult it is. I'm talking actual people in the media were doing this in the local market. Not even looking at how difficult it is to upset a team as, as, as the road team in the divisional round since 1990. is just, oh, you know, I think it could happen. So that's what I mean is, so I guess I put an even more difficult standard on the Cowboys to define success this postseason. But, you know, that's what I, I, I really do. I think they, if they win the wild card, it's really about the divisional round and how they perform in that that's going to define whether the season was a success. And the makeup of this team kind of feels like, you know, that confidence from a win against Brady, you know, as I'm saying, it would be monumental and it would be their first in franchise history. Just the makeup of how this team seems to build confidence and how they, you know, get up for the big games and set themselves up for disappointment like they just did in week 18 here versus the Commanders. You know, that win against Brady could go a long way. So we know how the division around works as far as you're playing a team that, you know, was kind of, comes in with higher expectations to then advance, whether it's the Eagles who had the bye, of course, and they're just awaiting an opponent and gets the momentum off of a win, or just any team that, you know, again, had that same win under their belt, but carries the expectations to get past the divisional round. Nobody else but Dallas can have the benefit of, you know, knocking off Brady and doing something that they haven't done before. And I do think that kind of momentum to put the silver and blue colored glasses on for a second, if you will, that kind of momentum really could be good for this team to say that, you know, hey, Commander's game is completely gone. Of course, you know, playoffs are easy. Brad Sam says this all the time. You'll lose and you're done. I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. So there is no alternative to, well, if we don't beat Brady, you know, here's what we can do next week. No, we're going to start talking about free agency in the draft. That, that's what's going to happen. But if you do get this win, you know, we'll preview the divisional matchup the same way under the same microscope. X's and O's wise, but also just momentum wise, I think it really could help this team, you know, confidence and getting it back and trying to go make that run, knowing that we are playoff viable, which is what Jerry said this off season that he's looking for from, you know, the coaching staff and making any changes that way. Now you have to go get it done against a quarterback that, you know, you haven't had a lot of success against. Yeah. Which is why it's a really weird question to ask after that. Do you, do you fire Mike McCarthy at any point? Uh, during this playoff run, presuming you don't win. No, I think, you know, McCarthy's program has proven that, you know, it's working right now. Again, back-to-back 12-win seasons, that's nothing to laugh at. You know, he has the football side of this organization as, you know, healthy as it's been in a long time. I think all the pressure falls on Kellen Moore's shoulders right now. I think I wouldn't go as far as saying, you know, he's the one holding them back. That, that's, I think, kind of too harsh of a terminology to use. But I think he puts a very hard glass ceiling, if you will, on where this team can go right now. You know, I think his offense realizes its potential pretty, whether it's quickly in an 18-game season, and then they have to scramble and try to adapt, and now they could have to face that challenge against the Todd Bowles defense, or just, 
you know, in the four quarters of a game where they can't adjust on the fly or, you know, the scheme gets figured out and there's no adjustments and balls are being fit in tight to Michael Gallup on call routes and T.Y. Hilton on hook routes and Dalton Saltz on little crossing routes and that doesn't just, that doesn't get it done. Whether it's a regular season loss like you just had or especially in a playoff game, it doesn't feel like, you know, that type of offense gets it done. So McCarthy was, you know, kind of the yes-man coach when he first came here and the yes-man to the Joneses and, you know, slowly he's built this thing in his image though and one of the things the Joneses didn't want to budge on at the time of McCarthy's hiring was that they felt like they had an offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore who was the up-and-coming guy and who was still innovative and had a lot of room to grow. And, you know, now I think that I would hope so, at least the Joneses can realize that, you know, if you do lose this playoff game to Tampa Bay, that, you know, you're dealing with an offensive coordinator that is more at the ceiling now and is more experienced to know the type of offense you're going to get and go let Mike McCarthy bring in, you know, a guy that he wants to really take this offense to the next level. I don't think there's any doubt that, Dak Prescott has just a physical ability or the capabilities at all to learn a new offense. Take the core concepts, of course, that Moore has you know, seen him be successful at. They showed the graphic on Fox today that probably stunned a lot of fans who were still sticking around for this game that most points per game by a quarterback dating back to, I think, two seasons, and it goes Prescott ahead of Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. So that's, of course, the elite company for Prescott to be in. And that is a compliment to Kellen Moore. You can't, you know, be a bad coordinator and have your quarterback up there with that. But how much more can this quarterback be? And can this offense as a whole be with McCarthy kind of being an offensive-minded coach overseeing it? If you didn't have a coordinator like Kellen Moore, that very easily could be a question that they have to answer this offseason as opposed to answering, you know, again, who the head coach is going to be and all the suffering that would come with that and what that could mean for Dan Quinn moving on. And, you know, I just don't think that's a path you want to go down knowing that he just got you to 12 wins in consecutive seasons. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I agree, and that's why I think it'd be a mistake if they got rid of McCarthy for for Sean Payton or whoever because McCarthy has built continuity from one year to another, which to me was just a shocking thing that Jason Garrett would eschew because he was part of one of the biggest continuities of winning in franchise history with those three Super Bowls in four seasons. But he always was like, oh, every year's different, and uh, what's in the past is in the past. It's all about right now and the moment and all this kind of stuff, which, you know, you had your moments, but that's why 
you went to the playoffs and you'd miss it the next year, but then get back into the playoffs after you missed it. But with McCarthy, here they are in the playoffs for back-to-back years, and you have a feeling that there's a confidence that even if they don't do it this year, Dallas is going to be back in the 2023 playoffs. So that's why I wouldn't get rid of McCarthy regardless of what happens here. I might take a look at the personnel, what needs to be shored up, and like you said, what is the missing element with the offense and can someone like McCarthy brings in fix it? Because I don't think that Dak Prescott is incapable of playing at a high level. I don't think he lacks weapons. I don't think he lacks protection. It's you No, don't. it's something else. So when your second best weapon is, I mean, just based off this game, who even was your second best weapon? I mean, the balls to Hilton weren't there. Gallup was nowhere. James Washington, well. <laughs> dang it. Well, now, okay. We started this I podcast mean. talking about receiver, is, and here we are, you know, big one of the biggest playoff games. It seems like, you know, it's going to be hyped up more than any at a wild card matchup, and you can just go grab the same talking point of, do they have enough at receiver? <laughs> what I mean is, you know, he's got C.D. Lamb. He's got Dalton Schultz and some tight ends that are up and coming. I think that he's got enough weapons. If you want to go add weapons, that's cool. You know, that's part of the personnel thing that I said you got to take a look at. But just in terms of uh, if you the changes you'd make to the team, I don't think Mike McCarthy's one of them. No, again, I just don't think that's a path that you want to see, you know, the repercussions of what moving on from McCarthy would mean, you know, immediately puts pressure on Prescott to answer questions about, you know, what kind of head coach he would want or how much even he feels responsible for, you know, not winning more if McCarthy. I mean, that's just how much pressure do you want to put this quarterback under? He's already just go rewatch this game. If you want to see what it's like when he's under extreme pressure without any help and moving off of McCarthy, I don't think helps him. So, you know, he's a good coach and you have a good coach and quarterback combination. Now that goes very, very far in this league and, yeah, winning is still very hard on top of that. And I don't want to get you so far and you know, they have to figure out everything around it, like you said, so well there to be able to win more consistently. And, you know, back-to-back playoff seasons is great. But, yeah, we do certainly need to be talking about this team having playoff success if, you know, they want to keep things how they are. Yeah, and just looking a little bit down the road in 2023, um, the Cowboys, they'll be playing the – AFC East and their AFC West same place finisher game 17 the Los Angeles Chargers then of course your complement of NFC East games their NFC North and NFC South same place finishers are the Detroit Lions and the New Orleans Saints and then they get the NFC West and uh, that all of that will be decided, the dates and times, uh, a little bit later on in the off season. Usually uh, in May, a little bit after the NFL draft. But uh, that's who Dallas is facing this year, Sean. Uh, what 
are a couple of matchups you're looking forward to just with that slate of opponents? Of course, I think the classic matchup with the 49ers is a big one to watch. They're a playoff team again, so we could get another playoff matchup. And, you know, kind of re, re-sparking that rivalry that maybe a lot of younger Cowboys fans don't know the full extent of or haven't seen those big games. And maybe the only Cowboys 49ers game they remember is last year's wildcard game where the Niners were, you know, outclassed you and weren't, you know, the Cowboys weren't on that level. So they, they not only have this year's playoffs to try to prove potentially that they are on par with the 49ers, but they'll have their regular season game next year to see where it falls on the schedule. And that could be, you know, a season primetime game where you're really trying to see where you measure up or an early season game to see how you're playing then. So no matter when that game is played, of course, it's going to probably break records and have a ton of eyes on it. And I look at the road game in Miami as well as a game where I think a lot of Cowboys fans will travel well to, always a well-traveled, spread-out fan base. And, you know, we're a better place to go see your team on the road than in Miami. So I think that'll be an interesting game. You can, of course, frame it as two playoff teams because the Dolphins did clinch a playoff appearance uh, on Sunday with a late win against the Jets. It wasn't pretty by any stretch whatsoever with no third-string quarterback going up against Joe Flacco for the Jets, who are also on next year's Cowboys schedule. But I think that game in Miami will just be a good mix of Cowboys fans rooting for their team on the road there and you know seeing how the Cowboys match up against uh, one of the better offenses in the NFL. I, I would like the Buffalo Bills matchup, which will be on the road, and then, you know, I, I'm going to say it, the Detroit Lions, because they're a program that continues to build. And w- what will they look like? Uh, will they be a tough challenge for Dallas? Uh, so those are the two matchups I'm looking forward to. That Buffalo game needs to be a night game. We deserve for that to be a night game and a good amount of cold. I hope that's a primetime game, even if it means we're recording the podcast at, you know, 11 p.m. on a Sunday night, which I know is both of our favorites. Yeah, that is, I love recording the podcast after a Sunday night game in, and <laughs> I'm in the Eastern time zone. That's just my favorite. Well, yeah, I wish I could say I was in that boat with you, but I've only done one episode in the Eastern zones. So. Yeah, and then that got pushed back because of um, the Eagles and Washington and their whole playoff clinching situation from week 17. But, uh, yeah, that's what's ahead. And that's what's interesting is because of the whole same-place finisher thing, uh, Dallas will not get a rematch with Tampa Bay next year, kind of like how this season they didn't get a rematch with the 49ers. So you had a little bit of uh, um, having to wait around for a rematch in that particular scenario. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Cowboys-Bucks is a regular season matchup. Feels a little bit played out at this point. Like They're trying to shoehorn in, you know, however however many years Brady has left to be a rivalry with Prescott. But I I just don't really see it. You know, it's a hurdle you have to cross. It's a bit of a David Goliath thing almost. Um, Not that the Cowboys are like being compared to Goliath, uh, to David there, but, you know, they have to get over the hurdle of beating Brady. I think that's best saved for a playoff game, which, of course, is coming up. But then you talk about context for next year, you, the only way those two teams can meet would be a playoff game. So I think it's best left that way and not shoehorned as another regular season matchup that we've seen the Cowboys open their season with two years in a row. Exactly. Don't do 
the shoehorn instead play Joe Horn's uh, former team in the New Orleans Saints. So uh, yeah, that all that'll be interesting. All right, let's go ahead and take a look at the Cowboys' birthdays for this week. On Monday, playing fullback from 1972 to 1983, none other than Robert Newhouse. He turns 73 years old. And then on Tuesday, um, James Washington, he turns 58 years old. He played safety for the Cowboys from 1990 to 1994. And then on Thursday, Drew Pearson. He was with Dallas from 73 to 83. Mr. Clutch. Uh, caught the Hail Mary pass and just about everything. But the most notable thing, he's from South River, New Jersey. And then on Sunday, Randy White, the manster, turned 70 years old. He was with Dallas, part of the Dirty Dozen, from 1975 to 1988. And those are your Cowboys' birthdays. Yeah, no doubt Drew Pearson is one of the first players to learn about growing up a Cowboys fan in New Jersey. His legacy is the original. 88 can't be understated. Hall of Famer who, when his Hall of Fame induction was about to go on, I know the uh, Cowboys being a Miller Lite-sponsored team, the you know Cowboys' uh, packaging based around Miller Lite would have actually the Drew Pearson Hall of Fame logo and the ceremony and things like that written right on the uh, on the boxes and stuff and supermarkets and things like that, you know, around here in Austin. So that was always cool to see the Cowboys for you because, you know, you know, Cowboys fans are everywhere, but if you're a Cowboys fan in, let's say, Pearson's home state, you're not getting uh, your hands on one of those cans. So that was only a Texas exclusive thing that people around here could enjoy. And of course, those old enough to remember Pearson's playing days enjoyed, you know, quite a bit of success with, Again, being the original 88 Hall of Famer, can't be understated just how much he meant to the game itself and all those championship Cowboys teams and to being the pride of one of the best NFL players to ever come out of my home state. Yeah, Um, and again, he set the standard as the original 88. I thought I was really going to get you with the James Washington birthday, though, and him turning 58, though. Well... Oh, wait, I thought you could talk about the receiver for a second who's no longer with the team, of course. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was going to get you and everything. And what? James Washington. Oh, that, no, I was definitely thinking. That's where I thought we were going. I was just going to mention, the, like, you know, he, he likes to wear cowboy hats and ride horses and stuff, or something along those lines. But, you know, you, you, you spared me from that. Um, you know, on a football note, it is, though, frustrating that this team's replacement plan for Amari Cooper is completely blown up in their face, isn't it? I mean, they thought James Washington was going to be so much more, and he had, you know, a couple catches if that, and is no, not even a fault anymore of this team. So, you know, as much credit as this front office has built up this offseason and through the season as well, the one position group that they swore that they were going to get right and then we questioned if they would or not was receiver, and now we just saw a pretty – negative performance from the Cowboys receivers as a whole against Washington and this Tampa Bay secondary is no joke as well. So big point of concern going into wildcard weekend, same point of concern we talked about before the season even started. I'm not sure, you know, big picks of what that says about the Cowboys as a team building, you know, organization because they do have so many other positives we can get into when the time and place comes to review this entire season. But it is just frustrating knowing that you have a franchise quarterback who can certainly prove time and time again that he can win any given game and 
you know, he necessarily doesn't have the supporting cast um, around him to, you know, go be the best he can be in every, every one of these big playoff games. So we'll see what that means for C.D. Lamb and co. against the Bucks. I think it'll be a lot better if Tony Pollard gets going. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, in the way Tampa Bay plays and coverage as well, I think this easily could be a big Pollard game out of the backfield too. You know, I think guys like Devin White, Levante David, this Bucks defense, you know, they play so well sideline to sideline, but I think you can really stretch them out if Prescott has time in the pocket. That's a huge if right now. But if he has time, yeah, I think you can get him going stretched out and you can really hit on some big plays up the sidelines, things like that. You know, picture the Vikings game where Pollard broke out. I think you can hit some of those similar plays and really make this a Tony Pollard game if you wanted to. He's Sean Martin. You can follow him on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL. I'm the real Mark Lane on Twitter. And subscribe to the Hidden Yardage podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. No one has talked about Cowboys and Bucks more than us. And no one will talk about it more next week on our 50th show either. Are we popping champagne or anything? What's the uh, what's the plan for episode 50? A couple of Troy Aikman beers? Or? I'm going to see if we can get the show a senior citizen discount. That way I can get my pork roll sandwich at a discount when I finally get it. Yeah, that would be awesome. So <laughs> I'm going to make a bold prediction, okay? They're going to they're going to beat the Bucks next week. Bold prediction. You can make fun of me if it doesn't happen. Who's your player of the game if it happens? CD Lamb, 10 catches for 137 yards. How many touchdowns? None. Oh, wow. So that means it really needs to be a powered game to get you in the end zone. But, hey, I like it. You know, look, you can't be scared of this Tampa team. Only thing you can say really positive from the Cowboys right now is that they seem to step up based on the level of competition. Washington wasn't, you know, enough competition for him apparently to get up for this game. We wish it was different. But backs against the wall a little bit. They play their best. We know the Bucks are going to play their best. It's a playoff game for Brady. Can't ask for anything more. And, you know, let's go see if you're the better team at the end of four quarters. I'm with Mark. I think you will be. So. All right. So there it is. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 